Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Today, um, I thought I would start out the sermon um, to season what we have to say with maybe an emotional moment for some. We all know, uh, you know, during World War II, the, 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 the pending Holocaust that happened, six million Jews um, who were exterminated and tormented, and a lot of that torment still goes on today. And there's a movie that just, I tried to cut this clip down because even in preparing to show you this clip, I just broke, you know. I'm not telling you you should break, but it's just, it is always kind of takes me to a place. But there's something he says in this clip that I think is germane to what we're going to talk about today. So I want them to play this clip, and if you've never seen Schindler's List, you know, it's, it's, it's a man who, who had a radical heart change, and instead of using the Jews, he turned around and started saving them, 1,100 lives that would have been lost had something not changed in his heart. And I want you to see this clip. The question he asked, uh, when, when faced with some of the resources that um, he had left, have I done enough? It's a difficult thing for each person in the room, you know, as we relate to the story. Obviously, we, we were not Holocaust victims, but for what Oscar Schindler did, it saved 1,100 lives, and he did it with his wealth and his resources and in his heart. And as he's exiting, um, he's realizing, did I have any more that I could give? In reality, had, he had obviously done so much more than everyone else, but the, still the question was, have I done enough? And I don't, I don't know about you, but, um, and I know God did not give us the spirit of fear, so we shouldn't have anxiety, but I want to confess to you, sometimes I have anxiety. I know we're not supposed to have it. Sometimes I have anxiety. And the anxiety, you know, um, it's kind of like that moment he had. It was like, did I do enough? Um, it's just difficult for me to watch that and not, you know, it kind of examine my life. How am I using my platform? How am I using my youth? How am I using my life and my gifts and my, and my resources? And it's just a question that we all have to answer individually. It's not something, I mean, yes, there's a group, a church together, a family together, that they'll have, a, a country together, they'll have to answer like, what did we do as a nation? What did we do as a city, as a community? But at the end of the day, naked you came into the world, naked you'll leave, you'll stand before your own master to give an account for the life's done and the deeds in the body. And it's, it's so easy to sin, it's so easy to kind of live selfishly or self-centeredly when you're not cognizant of the fact that I'm, I'm going to have a day when, when I'm evaluated on how I dealt with the life and death issues of the world. So, so we're dealing with he, eternal separation. Is it not somewhat in an even greater category when you think about somebody being eternally separated from God? I believe as we look 
in the text and we begin this new series called Reach the City. My hope is that we come out of this with an inspiration and a motivation for the more we can do, the, the things we can do without feeling like uh, we hadn't already done as much as we need to do. In other words, sometimes you just need to be encouraged what your next step is. It is not about feeling bad about what's not happened yet. You're still alive. I'm still alive. And I still have an opportunity. You know, and I just love it. So we're going to hang out in 2 Corinthians 8. And we will read just a small portion. I just want you to read three verses. Then I'm going to contextualize these verses for you. This, these verses pick up Paul, just so you can get it. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about their life, but he is drawing a comparison between the Corinthians and the Macedonians, and eventually Jesus, you'll see. And this is where we're going to kind of land today. All right, let's put the scripture up. Let's just read verse 7, uh, 8, 9. Ready? Read. You're going to see uh, in what we begin to go through, there are three groups of people, rather than proving it in the scripture, let me just declare something to you about the three groups of people that we're going to look at. I shouldn't say groups of people because one is an individual. We're going to be looking at the Corinthian church, and what you just read is uh, a list of things they're really good at. And you didn't, he, he begins to refer to the Macedonians who you read about in the first through the sixth verse, who they were good at, good at something. And then you, you see Jesus, who was ultimately good at something. So you have three different groups that represent the Macedonians, which we'll get to in just a second. They were extremely poor. The Corinthians were a congregation much like us that is mixed. It had rich and it had poor, it had uh, a, a collection of Jews, it had a collection of Gentiles, it was just mixed together. So it was a mixed group. Some had a lot, some had a little. Then you had Jesus. Well, he was, he was beyond rich. He's the guy, you know, he's got it all. And all of the teaching is allow you to see how all of them have dealt with the grace of giving. How did they give their life? How did the Macedonians do it? How did the Corinthians do it? How did Jesus do it? To help us answer the question, how will we respond? And we'll respond in ways they did. So let's look at, at verse one. Let's just check out the Macedonians first. 
We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. This grace is a, a, a favor, a kindness, a leaning in, a giving toward. This grace is uh, what we would call the grace of giving. It's very specific. It is, it is, it is meeting uh, a, a need. Verse 2, for it in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. But they gave according to their means, and I can testify that beyond their means, on their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor and taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. I want you to know that the Macedonians, when you look into this particular group, they had been conquered by Alexander the Great. They, they didn't have much. They were scrounging around. These are poor people. These are people who don't have much to give because giving something to, to someone else might cost them their life because they can't eat or they can't work or they can't do the basic minimum things that was required. But when they heard about the needs of the Jerusalem church who was under persecution, who from the very beginning had to pull their resources together for everybody to make it, and that they were in need, instead of saying, I'm in need too, what about me? How are you gonna ask me for something and I'm going through a hard time myself? Didn't you have more discernment than that? Don't you see we broke, busted, and disgusted? Why are you coming around here talking about other people's needs? You know, instead of doing that, the Bible says in their poverty, extreme poverty, they welled over in generosity. In other words, they start participating in the grace of giving, and, and, and instead of being acting like an afflicted person, they acted like somebody who won a million dollars. Because if I get a million dollars, I'm going to be so happy. I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to say, y'all, I got a million dollars. Now, I probably should have kept that to myself, but I got a million dollars. They've got joy. They, all they have is uncertainty about the future, and they've got joy. They've got affliction, and they've got hardship, and it is severe. And all they want to do is participate in the Great Commission. All they want to do is participate in giving. And they're doing it with joy and gladness from a broken position. And no one is forcing them to do it. No one is making them do it. No one's saying this is a tax. No one's saying you better. This is something that demonstrates their heart, much like Oscar Schindler, his heart got touched. No one was making Oscar Schindler do something. He was motivated in his heart. So were they. Then you have the, the, the Corinthians, who they get some great commendations. You can, you can think it's a play on words, but let me just use the play on words to, to really be a blessing to them. He said, you guys excel in, let's put that scripture back in. Let's look at the stuff they excel in. They're strong. Ah, okay, verse seven. Verse seven. They excel in, you, you read it. They excel in everything. Wait, wait, no, no, let's wait this around. That's pretty powerful. This mixed group in a mixed up city 
In Corinth, which would be like the, the Las Vegas. They had, a lot of, they had a lot of trade, they had an amount of money going on, they had a lot of immorality that was going on. In fact, you know, if somebody said, man, you like a Corinthian, they would be telling you an insult, man, you immoral. You, you, you know, you, you, you jacked up. They, 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 they had a city, you know, they didn't sleep. They had a, a city where Artemis and, and love and pleasure were something that really went together. And this was leaking, this mentality was leaking into the church. You know, you, you know, because this is what happens to church. If you ingest enough, I'm going to say this, Holy Ghost, because I wasn't in my notes. But if you ingest enough of the world on a regular basis, it begins to reshape how you think about the things that should be remain pure. So you can't just have uh, the super dose of witchcraft, the super dose of sensuality, and social media just trying to attack your very, your very fabric, and it don't affect you. It's going to affect you. And what's been happening is this church gets confused. One minute they're doing communion together, and another like like it's supposed to bring them together with Christ, and the next minute it's the rich and the poor doing it. The next the next minute some people instead of an act of worship, they're making it as a meal that they can they can eat. There's just confusion. There there's immorality in the church. It's not even in the world. Because you do know church folks, when you try to play, this is nothing to do with my message, I don't know why Holy Ghost got me saying it. When you try to play the world's game, but you're a church person, you will always go further than the world will go. I'm gonna I'm tell you again. You already sanctified, you're on God's side. If you start trying to tip and dip on the other side, you're gonna go further. You're not going to like it. Okay, so they excelled. They excelled in their faith. They excelled in their speech. They, they were just great. Even though they had all this conflict, they seemed to be, be chief in gifts and chief in enthusiasm. And, and they knew how to make, to, to make the important things important. They excelled in the grace. And then he says, see that you excel in the act of this grace also. So even though they're doing pretty good as a group, getting out of all of these wicked patterns that are in the world and trying to invade the church, and, and they've been excelling, it's getting better. He's saying you need to abound. He said, but I don't want you to forget an area that you need to abound in as well, and that's in the grace of giving. Funny to me that He's able to praise them on several accounts, but encourage them where they might not be graduating. So you had the Macedonians who out of their affliction and out of their pain was given massively. Then you had this mixed group that was doing a lot of good practical things right, got the right heart, they in a wicked world, but they fighting to do the right stuff, and yet he said, but I need to encourage you to be like that other group. And then, you know, it's like a, to abound is to go above and beyond when he says abound or excel. He's not asking you to do your minimum basic requirement. He's saying this is an area where I want you to go above. When you go back to Oscar Schindler, you just 
paid for 1,100 lives that would have been exterminated to get out. You can ride that all the way through earth and all the way into heaven and do nothing else and be great. But yet he wanted to excel and he was offended. I have a ring that could have been two people. I've got, I've got a, a, a pendant that could have been a couple of people. I've got a car that could have been 10 people. He now wants to excel. I want to abound. I want to go above. It's not a requirement. It's not, no one's making me do this. My, my 50th birthday, if you didn't know, my wife threw me a party here in the sanctuary. When you came in the sanctuary, however, it didn't look like a sanctuary. It looked like a, a banquet hall for a king. Chandelier was hanging all in the ceiling. You know, a normal birthday is a cake and happy birthday with a card but not 400 guests, gifts, it's above and beyond. When somebody goes above and beyond for you, you know, it, now the part they don't tell you is it didn't mean it cost her little to go above and beyond. It cost her much. When he's asking us to excel in something, it's not saying the cost is low. It's just that the cost is worthy. It's just worthy. But ultimately, remember I told you we had three we were looking at. He says, and I say this not as a command, but to prove your earnestness to others and your genuine love for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, he became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. It's like, look at the person who's our ultimate example about generosity, and it's gotta be Jesus. People say, y'all know people like to say, Jesus wasn't rich. Jesus was born in a manger. Jesus said, you know, bird have nest, fox have home, but the son of man have nowhere to, to lay his head. You think about Jesus and you don't think about him, but the Bible said he was the word made flesh. He was the, he was the second person in the Trinity. He was, he was eternally, he's eternally been the son. son. So you got to understand, he created everything. Everything was created by him and for him and without him was not anything made that was made. And yet, I want you to show you a distinction he was rich and he took on the likeness of sinful flesh and became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. But he really didn't lose his riches. See, that's the trick of the enemy, isn't it? That when we give our time and we give our life to something, that I just lost something. But really, in him becoming poor and humbling himself to obey God and to do and, and humbled himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, he gained a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord. He, he didn't lose. He won. But more than that, we win. We win. You win. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He became poor. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Remember, in their great trial of affliction, they did it with joy. But no, we're not referring to the Corinthians yet as a position. They're being encouraged to do something, but they're not attached to joy yet. Funny how you can 
be in a circumstance where isn't what I've done good enough already? I'm trying to remember scripture. I think it's in Luke and it's also in Matthew. He said, you give a tithe of your cumin and your mint. And he said, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others, uh, which was love and, you know, and righteousness. There's a way we've got to live. Just because God says you, you can give something and it doesn't excuse you from loving people and you can love people and it doesn't excuse you from, from giving. It's not, you know, amen's is a little weak this morning, but I mean, I mean, I did. Like Dave said, I worked hard on this. And so the amen is like, I agree. But it's also an encouragement to the preacher who worked hard. Yeah. Let her know. I Praise God. So, so the question I have to ask you is, can you go above and beyond like they did and he does? Can you go above and beyond? Can you participate in the grace of giving and not exclude yourself because you live great? This is not about what you're doing wrong. Don't you like those messages? Nobody's coming at you like you're doing something wrong. In fact, the fact that you're sitting here, church, let me tell you, we've done a lot right. We have sent millions of dollars all over the world. We have built these buildings. We have made disciples. We've caused people to be saved. We've raised up leaders. We've, we've sent them out. We do discipleship. We do evangelism. We do our part. And for the most part, I, I want to praise you, church. Our, thank you for giving our church a name that's good in the city. When people, here's what people come up to me and say about you as a church. Love, we, we love Bethel. This is the place where you go to become a serious Christian. This is one of the greatest compliments we get. I get it all the time. This is the place you come to become a serious Christian. This is not to say anything negative about anybody else, but I'm grateful for what God has to say about us. But the question still remains, can you go above and beyond like the Macedonians did, like Jesus does? Verse 10 says, in this matter... I give you my judgment or my discernment. These benefits, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by the completing of it, of what you have. In other words, you gotta finish what you start. You've got to do what you say. You've got to live how you speak. You've got to be who you say you are. There's nothing worse than dealing with someone who's a counterfeit. And you thought it was one thing and you discovered it's another. It is a disappointment like no other. I thought I was getting this and I got that. I know I just thought of a marriage example, but I won't say it. You can just make up your own. Make up your own. You know, I, I, I say a lot of times people write a, a check with their mouth that they could never cash. I can't tell you the number of people when we was building the building that came with them, Pastor James. If you're in here, I'm not talking about you. I have nobody in mind when I'm, when I'm so, so I'm just letting me do the illustration. It did, I just thought somebody might get offended. Well, he was talking about me. I, I had faith. Well, if you, if you 
If you pledge the $1,000, you should give it. But don't say you pledged it. God bless you. And you're coming to me with all the blessings. Man, Lord, did this. Can we praise God? Let's praise God. But you didn't give your pledge. You know, because there are, there are about 300 people in our church who will carry it for you. They'll give anyway. Had a man, and there will be people who would testify to this, and this is, it just fits the illustration. Let's just say it. Let's give you a history. To be in the building we are now, for those of you who were not here, you know, when we began to do Bethel Build and, 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 and raise the money, you are enjoying the, this equipping and training and sending center that someone else paid for. Amen. Praise God. Come on, give God praise. For, for, for. And when we, a man came to me when we were, we were at the very beginning and he came to me privately, he said, I'm gonna give a million dollars to the church. I said, you know, if you, if you hear that, I told you how I would act if somebody gave me a million dollars. When you hear that, you're like, wow, <laughs> really? And this is what I said. Because if any of y'all come up to me, I'm gonna tell you the same thing. I said, why don't you go home and think about that? It, I don't you know, I went in a greedy spirit. I was like, yeah, we need that million, man, thank you. When can you give it, tomorrow? You know, this was like, no, go home and think about it. Pray about it. He said, no, I'm doing it. He had the means. He could do it. I said, no. I, I said, well, just think about it. He said, no, I want to go in and tell everybody I'm doing it. So they inspired them to do their part. Now, in my youthfulness as a pastor, against my better judgment, see, you, I got up and I said, I've asked him not to do this. He's insisted. He wants to give. He's saying, no, I'm going to, and I'm encouraging all of you to do it. And then, you, you remember. Yeah, <laughs> you was it? This is a true story, right, Bruce? Okay, good. And so, remember, this is about finishing what you start. Now, with Finn there, it gets better because about, you know, some weeks in, he comes to me and says, you know what? A million is not enough. A million is not enough. This is when you're supposed to pick up stuff, Pastor James. <laughs> Said a million's not enough. Two. Two. That's when you get a little praise God, you know, you can get religious now. <laughs> Two million, praise God. We ain't never seen that two million dollars. <laughs> I'm still waiting on it to come in though. Lord, it's out there. You might be saying, Pastor James, why is y'all? No, the person told everybody he gave it. So that's why I had to get up in front of the church and say, I've, the bank will tell you he is not giving it. He no longer attends. Something happens to people. Good intentions are sometimes, oh, man, I'm enjoying myself. Oh. I'm 
sorry. Uh, good intentions are not enough. You have to participate, abound, accelerate in the grace of giving. The Christ said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. In a great trial of affliction, they gave. When Schindler was in that situation, he wanted to give more. He said, you had the right desire. You have the right heart. I want you to follow through, Corinthians. I want you to follow through. And not because you have to. I want you to want to do this. Not because I'm commanding you. I want you to want to do this. Not because I'm giving you the principles of tithing and giving and generosity. This needs to be a work of your heart and you will prove the genuineness of your heart by participating in this. I'm not asking for more than you can do. So I want you to know, I want you to answer the question, can you go above and beyond like they did and like Jesus does? Because your actions speak louder than your words. Let's read these final few verses together and I'll close. Verse 12 through 15. Ready? Read. He only wants you to give your fair share. He's not asking you to give more than is your part. He's not asking you to participate and take your tax money and give it to the work of the Lord. He's not asking you to take your, your tithe and give it to uh, the building project. He's not asking you to take your um, fund um, for what you need to fund your kid's college. And give. God is not asking you for irresponsibility. I think that sometimes that gets confused in church. He can ask you for a sacrifice, but that's very individualistic. That's very personal. God is asking you to participate in the grace of giving and to keep growing in that, abounding in that, reaching for that. And whether you're the Macedonians in a poor situation, he's not asking them to give a million dollars if they only have two mites. It's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. He's not asking, he's not asking the mixed multitude of people that's in there where poor and rich to all give the same amount. He's not asking you to do exactly what Jesus did. All of us need to get on the cross. We all, we all need to be motivated to abound in this grace, no matter what are the, the circumstances in our life or the good that's going on in our life. I was in a in church service and I was offended, I'm kind of concluded with this, I was offended in my younger years because the, the preacher got up and said, somebody in here is going to give, give $50,000. And I was thinking, man, I don't have $50,000. Why would he say I'm going to give $50,000? I don't have $50,000. And then he said, some of y'all are thinking I'm speaking to you. 
and you don't have $50,000. I said, yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah, I'll have $50,000. He said, so I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person with the $50,000 and the conviction that God has given them to give it, that this would be a good time to do that. And I was amazed at how I would get offended that somebody wasn't even talking to me. He's asking you to do your fair share. He's not asking you to do somebody else's fair share. Your part. And when people throw, so, so as we do this Reach the City campaign, none of us decided to plant a church in Dixon, Tennessee. None of us did. First of all, this is not ending with an ask. This is ending with information. None of us decided to, hey, you know what's a good idea? Let's mosey on down to Dixon, about 50 minutes from here. Let's search out a place we can hang out, do some reach some people, and have a great fellowship. Man, we could do, no, we didn't do that. We got a call from somebody. We went down and prayed, went back and met with a group of people who were holding on without a pastor for six or seven years, and... I walked away having ministered to them and announced to them, well, you know, I'm not sure, because they were saying, well, why don't you do it? I said, well, I have a church. You know, it wasn't in our strategic plan to come to Dixon. And me and my son, James, driving back from Dixon, he turns to me in the car, and he, without hesitation, you know we gotta do it, right? I said, hold on, you, you, you not even in the ministry fully yet. You just. You just, you just 19 years old. You don't know what that's going to cost us. You done signing us up because he was in a meeting saying, you know what we can do? I was like, don't tell the people we're going to do nothing. You know, we trying to figure out what the Lord wants. You say, yeah, we can help. We can reach this school. This is what our church does. We play, I'm saying, man, he is, he is getting us a new job. We didn't implant tan on it. Then I, I went, I've gone down there maybe 12 times or more. And each time, my heart for the city and the people grows deeper. And I'm thinking to myself, we already do good work. We already sent out millions of dollars, people and planted churches. Why is this our problem? And it moved from that type of mindset to how can this not be? That means there was a lot of people who may have had the opportunity and said, no, Lord, I pass. I pass. We happened to come by and said, Lord, what do you want? He said, you stay, you stay. So I decided that this was, I, I won't say I decided. The Lord helped me understand this is something for all of us. And I'm gonna conclude with this. Just put a pic, couple pictures up of, of Dixon so you can see it. That's what the church looks like. We are now the owners of this church, by the way. And it used to be called something else, but we don't refer to that name. So it looked like just 50 people. We're under construction now through the grace of God. That's people going down for work days from this church. That's where they'll be worshiping at in the fellowship hall that just got painted until we finish improving this, the sanctuary. And put one more picture up. There are some of our leaders down there. They have life groups going on in Dixon. 
Here's what I'm believing God for. I'm going to conclude with this. this. You can stand to your feet. This is the, this is, in ministry team, you can come down just in case anybody has any prayer after this. For the next few weeks, as we preach this series, Reach the City, I want you to be praying about something. One is how every one of us can participate in a, in a set-apart time of prayer and how every one of us will at least go down there once or twice in the next 24 months to actually help the congregation get going. Everyone, not, there's not a few people, everyone will go down there. Pastor Darrell is currently our Dixon Point pastor. Raise your hand. Come on. He, did, you, did you choose that job? So that job found you. Okay, until we had, he's our current. So, so is it a sacrifice? Yes, it is. Okay, pray to God. So, so all I want you to know is, is that the same way, we're all making a sacrifice. Took my time, it's gonna take my treasure. So the second thing we're doing is we want 250 people from this congregation to take 24 months and make that your congregation so that we can reach those folks down there. I didn't say you had to lose your home. It's all gonna be one Bethel. It's going to, I'm still gonna be pastor, preacher, we go, we, we'll show you the plan. But this is just what you're praying about. You may never go on a mission trip in your whole life, but this is the chance to be missional. You may never go. You may not want to go. You may say somebody else is going to do it. Pastor James, I can't do 20 month, 24 months, I'll do a year. I'll take it. 250 of you need to go. There's no other way to say it but to say it. Because we signed up to let God give us this grace of giving. And then we're going to, over the next couple of months, we'll probably, we, we need to, as a congregation, raise about $250,000 to get everything going. That's a small sum because I thank you for our church. You just gave us almost 300000 to finish off the fellowship hall. By the way, Pastor JT, when would that be done? Yeah, he won't ever give me time. The people paid. If y'all ever mad that it's not available, see Pastor JT, he's taking all complaints. He is the project manager. Can you pray? Pastor Dave, would you conclude this service and pray? But I thank you guys. Let's remember. Can you, can you do it like they did and like Jesus did? Because you're going to have to, you know, put, put action to your words. And he's never going to ask you to do more than your fair share. Lord, we're so thankful for all that we've been able to do as a church. And we pray that you would help sink into our hearts right now that more than enough, already more than enough, the question isn't, have we done enough? The question is, are you asking us for more to abound? And how can we abound? How can we find one more, one more, one more? We're thankful for Dixon. We're thankful for the progress already done. We're thankful for those who are already being reached. The life group started. The the, the hard work the men did to start doing demolition and, and what our, our tech team and else others have done to start this work. We pray that you would continue to, to grow Dixon in a way that doesn't just grow a church. We want your kingdom to grow. We want people to come to Christ. We want the lost to be found. We also want the homeless to be sheltered. We want the hungry to be fed. We pray that that would be an outpost for the kingdom of God in Dixon, that you would do your work there. Show each of us 
what our part to play is. Even if it costs us something, even if it brings a sacrifice, it will. We want to do what you ask us to do for the sake of your glory, for the sake of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.